0: Okay, so this was a really special episode for me. Jeffrey Bodie is someone who I've admired for a long time on social media. He effortlessly creates wonderful content, which is designed to empower people to eat more plant-based foods. But it was only when I met Jeffrey for the first time recently and started to learn a little bit more about his life that I truly start to understand what this guy was all about. Today, Jeffrey opens up about the challenges he's been through over the last year. I praise him for his vulnerability and for sharing things with us. And I generally think how he describes how he's moved forward with his life will be incredibly moving, but also empowering for so many. Today, we talk about Jeffrey's mindset and the steps he's taken to help him grow in the last year. We talk about his journey, originally into plant-based nutrition. We also talk about the role of eating more plants for our mental health and we also discuss plenty of practical tips to help us improve our diets. Thanks again, Geoffrey, for opening up, and I hope you do enjoy the episode. Geoff, welcome to my humble abode. Nice to see you again, mate. Yes, mate. Good to to catch up, and let's get get into it. Um, Not going to lie, I've been pretty excited, to be fair. It's one of those I think we met um, it was a couple of months ago now, but since yeah, then, yeah. I remember coming home saying to Bex, "I was like, oh, me and me and Jeffrey, we're going to be yeah, mates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we really got <laughs> on. I felt yeah. like there was a bit of a connection." Earlier, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. nice to actually get down and maybe to speak about something yeah. uh, that you're quite passionate about. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You come across as a pretty cool, calm, collected
1: guy. Mm. Has that always been, Jeffrey Boddy? I think so. But I think I've always been quite level-headed. I've never sort of allowed too many things to kind of sway me, you know, one way or the other. Um, and I'm sure we'll speak about certain things that I've, you know, I've gone through, and have you know certain books that I've read in the past, like for example, the Power of Now, just help me yeah. kind of maintain a level of focus, being present. So I don't let too many things rough my feathers, and that's always kind of been me. Yeah, nice, and you
0: can definitely tell. Yeah. When did your passion for plant-based or just
1: nutrition in general start? I say twenty seventeen. So I watched a documentary called What the Health. I'm sure you might have heard of it yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, seen um I remember my sister kind of coming home at the time and saying to me, Oh, you need to watch this documentary that's, you know, all about diet and disease, you'd be really interested in it. And I'd always do caveat this by saying that documentaries are typically quite biased, so they can, you know, maybe throw out some, you know, nonsense claims. I think there was a claim in the documentary that said like eating five uh, one egg a day is the same as smoking five cigarettes, which is just ridiculous. But it did give me enough information in there. And enough of a jolt for me to be like, wow, I'm going to change my entire diet and lifestyle overnight. And whereas before I was very much meat heavy, you know, your typical gym diet, sweet potato, lean chick, lean meats, you know, fish, multiple eggs in the morning. I just completely transitioned to a plant based diet overnight. Wow. So I felt very compelled to just change. Um, and then it was just going through that process and. It wasn't just about going plant-based. I wanted to still do it for like performance and training and health and longevity, and there was that process of kind of just learning about everything, learning about key nutrients, learning about you know how to optimize it for performance and recovery and muscle lean, you know, lean muscle growth and things like that. And that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of really just kind of wanting to get a kind of wide range of that kind of nutrition knowledge, and, and I guess kind of where I find myself today. Mm. So what was it for you? What was that trigger
0: in the documentary or, or then what rabbit hole did that lead you down that sort of made
1: you make that change? I think it was mainly a case of, I felt like, wow, I've now actually got some information to make my own dietary choices. And I could have, because I think a lot of the choices that I've made, and like many people in society, they're based on culture, tradition, you know, what society deems as normal. Um, so I got all this information. I was like, right, I can actually make a choice now. Um, And I could have reduced my meat consumption and probably would have still been pretty healthy. But I just felt really compelled to just be like, just cut it all out. And, Mm. you know, if my health had tanked, it might have been a different story. I might have gone back to how I was eating before, but my health just got better. My sleep got better. My recovery got better. Mm. Clarity of thought, more energy, feeling lighter. Um, And this was within like two or three weeks. So I just started to feel incredible straight away, right off the bat. But obviously, I wanted to maintain that over the long term. You know, a lot of people, you know, tend to do feel some benefits going plant based, but maybe start to tail off after a number of years if they're not doing it right or not focusing on the key nutrients. But for me, I wanted to just remain dialed in all the time, and that's kind of how I just became this a bit of a nerd for nutrition. So yeah, I think it was that kind of trigger of being like, wow, I've now got information to make my own choices and not have my choices dictated by a society, tradition, etc. Mm.
0: For my for me on my personal note, I mean, I, probably a similar amount of time. A go to you. I, mm. I did watch a similar documentary. Mm. I think it may have been What the Health. Yeah. And it certainly was the first time I sort of snapped out of a, an unconscious program mm. that I had sort of been on of mm. what my diet was yeah. and what I who I was as, mm. a, as, a, as an eater, mm. you know, and that was the first time I ever really thought about it. I think where we differ and where I'm a little bit jealous, I think, is mm. perhaps I didn't then take on as much commitment Mm. um to go into learning more about how to really develop that plant-based diet because if i was truly honest i would love to be more plant-based i do do my best through the week i've definitely got bex to Mm. uh eat more plant-based foods and we and we do make a good go at it um but we're definitely not perfect and Mm. i guess it's a bit of a journey and i think that's where i would um like to sort of learn from people like you and i think that's why I probably came across your social media pages, mm. and that's where I sort of first saw yeah. your name, and where I find that's so useful. And I think we have loads of resources now. Mm. We are actually everything's at the tips of our fingers, Pretty isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. the documentaries is a fascinating one. Mm. Do you think everyone should watch a documentary like that? Should that be like something we teach people at schools? Should we be <laughs> showing people a, a spectrum of these documentaries? Do you know what? I'm I'm not entirely sure
1: if I think people should all watch documentaries because I think one thing that I think for me was so important was that this was a starting point for me. And I was now going to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, doing nutritional research, reading scientific papers, you know, reading books, looking at, listening to podcasts, watching videos. So for me, it was like that was that initial starting point to then go really deep in the rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. make sure, right, if I'm going to do this, it needs to be absolutely. It was that spark, right? Exactly. Whereas I think some people might watch it and maybe don't have much nutritional information or desire to gain any kind of nutritional information and think I'm going to go vegan but then they don't realise about the key nutrients that you need to look out for such as the B12 you know omega 3 DHA and EPA if you're not eating fish vitamin D supplement potentially and then other nutrients that you need to just be mindful of like iron and making sure that you combine it with vitamin C to help with absorption calcium, you know, iodine, these types of things. It does take a, I always say it does take like a almost like a baseline level of nutritional information and nutritional knowledge to really do it and do it well and begin to thrive. And I'm not sure if everyone has that or everyone has that desire. I think, you know, they are interesting documentaries as I said, they can be some somewhat biased. Um, but I think one thing that I do think that you know in schools people should just be taught about nutrition mm. on a on a wider scale. Um, And then mm. that will allow people to make better choices later in life because, you know, when we're in school, and I'm sure if you remember being back in school, I don't remember any kind of education or knowledge on nutrition. And then people get into, you know, adults 20, 30, still eating processed foods, still eating, you know, a lot of these foods that mm. we know are linked to chronic disease. And they can't really snap out of these habits because they don't really know where to start. So I think a level of nutritional information in schools and at a young age is, I think that is something that should definitely be done. Perhaps these documentaries, maybe people can watch them mm. if they want to. Um, but yeah, I think that's yeah, getting that base level of information over to people from a young age. I think is is the key. Mm. I think that's a great answer. The
0: the documentaries are inflammatory. I yeah, think, yeah, of course. like they're there yeah. to spark yeah, a yeah, reaction, yeah. Right? and that's why they have so many, you know, counter documentaries mm. or yeah, these of course, sort yeah. of counter yeah. arguments yeah, videos. Yeah, but they do a job and yeah. they get you thinking and they yeah. make maybe you know they make you start on a journey mm. towards more knowledge yeah, because. Yeah any diet using that in inverted commas mm. that word because it's a, it's a bit of a sort of veiled word it's a bit mm. funny but um any you know uh, any amount of food that we eat any variety of food we eat mm. can be dangerous mm. without the right knowledge yeah. you know so a plant based diet can be incredibly beneficial mm. but you can also find yourself with in you know severe diseases by becoming vitamin b defi- b12 deficient exactly exactly um can you touch on why vitamin b12 is
1: really important for anyone going vegetarian plant based so it's a nutrient that is very heavily involved in red blood cell formation nerve function and if you become deficient in it and humans B12 stores can typically be held for quite some time i believe it's like five or so years or something like that but if you become deficient in that you can experience severe fatigue you know neuropathy so this is not something that you want to go down so it's just it's It's non-negotiable, really, that you just need to just pop a supplement, whether that's 250 micrograms per day, or I think it's 2,500 across the week, once a week. Mm. But again, B12 is very, very easily accessible. Mm. There's multiple forms. You've got cyanocobalamin, methylcobalamin. So it's very widely available, and just it's something that you just need to do as a vegan. Mm. And there is
0: an argument that vitamin B12, around Um, vitamin B12, that we shouldn't be plant-based as humans because Mm. you can't get it from a plant-based diet. And I've seen a little bit about this and I just wondered what your thoughts were and I can sort of try and explain
1: why people say that Mm. and then what's the flip side argument to that? Well, I think there's the kind of natural is best, which I think is a little bit of a fallacy because for me, I think it's more about what are the health outcomes you know, you can still adopt a plant-based diet and still reap you know huge benefits in terms of your fiber, gut bacteria, gut microbiome modulation, um, healthy plant proteins, lower rates of saturated fat, and you can just pop a supplement. And it's it's funny because the supplement industry wasn't created for vegans. Like mm. me- plenty of people who are omnivores are maybe going to be deficient in nutrients such as magnesium and folate, which are abundant in plant-based foods, in like dark leafy greens, black beans, other legumes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, as I said, I think the nature the kind of natural is best is a bit of a fallacy because mm. we live in 2022 where we wear shoes everywhere <laughs> yeah. shoes aren't really natural because yeah yeah, yeah. Is, but everyone wears them do you know what i mean so mm. i think it's just about looking at things from a perspective of okay we're in 2022 we have amazing technology we have food grade supplements that can provide us with the nutrition and um, actually what's also funny is that feedlots particularly um, factory farm animals are actually supplemented with b12 because B12 is not inherently found in animal products it's found in the soil yeah that's it. because our soils are so deficient nowadays we're not able to get that bacteria so we're even
0: feeding our animals exactly Exactly. Yeah. yeah yeah and that was it that was what I was, I was touching on because I think back, I mean the theories are back in the day we didn't really clean our food as well so yeah. uh, you know we got vitamin mean, b12 again from soil around mm-hmm. yeah around sort of you know Ooh. potatoes and exactly, things yeah. um so you could have been a vegan back mm. in medieval times you know <laughs> you didn't have to have access yeah. To, yeah. to livestock to eat um but yeah i think i think it's quite it's quite a fascinating yeah. one i'm not sure it fully holds true i wouldn't say that's a reason to go and tuck into a piece of steak every every single night Exactly. Um, yeah. you know, if you want to tuck into a steak for a different reason that's yeah, that's exactly. definitely you no know, exactly. that's on, that's on you so we started with a little bit of the nutrition you've mm. given us a bit of your background um and i originally approached you to do the podcast mm. to discuss plant-based nutrition from an angle of mental health and mm. we'll definitely get into that but yeah. when we met i learned a lot about you and mm. you know you've you've got Quite an interesting story, shall we say? And you've been through a lot, particularly mm. in the in the last year. Yeah. And I know you haven't really spoken about this on a podcast before. Yeah. Um. So let's go at your own pace. But mm. you know, can you tell us a little bit about what's been going on in the last year in your own words?
1: Yeah. So it's been a definitely been a a, a journey of rebuilding. Um. So I was unfortunately widowed in November last year. <sighs> um. Having been married, uh, I was married and got married in twenty twenty one. Uh, May and then she unfortunately passed away in in November 2021. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess it's not something that you ever expect to experience as a 33 year old. Do you know what I mean? You never ever see that kind of thing coming. Um, and I think there's a bit, there's a wider argument as to whether humans are really actually prepared for death, and I don't think we are. But in the circumstances that it happened, it was obviously you know shattered my world to, to say the least. I don't really want to really say too much more about you know how much that kind of was how how much it devastated me, how much it kind of just shifted my entire world around. And I think, yeah, it was was definitely a process of trying to rebuild, trying to make sense of what happened, trying to understand um, and kind of just try and forge a new path, really. Try and see how life was going to go without her because I think in many ways, a lot of what I do, you know, is, is very much down to her. Like she had so much belief in me when, you know, just before we'd met, I, you know, been trying to play professional football and it wasn't really working out for mm-hmm. me, and I ended up being quite bitter in my life. And you know, I met her, and she was just like a shining light in my life. You know, <laughs> um, so I have so much gratitude for having actually been able to be with a person like that. Um, and you know, of course, it was a definite rebuild job. You have to come to a place of acceptance of it, which I eventually did after a few months and. I think for me now is just to try and continue to lean into my purpose which is you know educating people about nutrition educating people about health and wellness and and even using part of this story to be like you know you can go through certain things you can have certain setbacks in your life you can experience real trauma but they can also be a catalyst in your life they can be a catalyst for either your evolution or your you know devolution in many ways and i do think we have that choice and I think she would like to have seen me make the choice that I've made, which is to try and push forward with my life to, you know, honor her in so many ways, but to continue moving forward and, you know, just trying to continue to live in purpose. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's been a crazy time, but I'm in a, I'm in an incredible place at the moment. Mm. I'm in a really good place. Um, and as I said, I've, it's, you know, friends, family have obviously been there and been incredible. And, you know, some of the stuff that I've done, which we'll talk about in terms of like the, psychedelics and, you know, reading some certain books, which was hugely, hugely impactful in my Mm. life. I think Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl was like probably the best book that I've ever read. Yeah, Uh, incredible. It really helped me in that period. Um, So yeah, there was a lot of tools that I relied on, nutrition, training, things like that, and make sure I, you know, try to keep myself feeling as good as possible. Um, And I'm really kind of happy with where I am today. Mm. It, It is incredible. And I just want to say hats off to you as a person
0: for having the mindset that you do. And I think that's really the crux of what I want to find out Mm. today is Mm. and give to people is those little bits and bobs that you've picked up because you've sort of gone through something that, like you say, no one is prepared for. Mm. I think we as humans, but particularly in the UK, Mm. um, I can only really speak for the UK, but I know that we're particularly bad at this sort of thing, is is we're really bad at talking about death. Yes, we are. Like, we hide away from it in all conversations. Mm. Like, I've spoken to tons of people about this, but, like, how many people have ever spoken to their parents or Mm. grandparents Mm. about what they want when it comes to, like, that end of life? Mm. And this is a different situation, Mm. obviously. But, you know, even when you're you're approaching that sort of potential end of life, I know that we don't speak about it as a family. Yeah. and I know that in many other circumstances, yeah. other people I know they don't they don't talk about. It, even though it's probably much more likely in the next few years when you're that sort of age, yeah, you, know, you exactly. get into your seventies yeah. and eighties, and we shy away from it. Yeah. And I think that's because of lots of different reasons. Mm. I mean, I guess who we sort of are as people as Brits, yeah. um, but we have no training, we have no preparation on yeah. it. It's something that I've been lucky enough to sort of see in in yeah. my job yeah. and my role, and. That gives you a bit of a different perspective, mm. and I guess also numbs you a little bit to yeah. that sort of the real the sort reality, of a- yeah. harsh reality of it. Yeah. But I think if we did talk about it more, we would probably be better at dealing with yeah. it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you also mentioned this word purpose, and mm. I, I absolutely love like the word purpose. I yeah. spoke about it recently with my friend George on mm. the sofa. Um,
1: tell me a bit about like your purpose. So it's funny because, as I said, growing up, I always wanted to just play professional football. That was all I wanted to do. that was all I was interested in. I played a lot of semi pro you know got my door in, my foot into the door at a few clubs abroad, went to Norway, went to Austria, went to the United states um, didn't quite get to where I really wanted to get mm. to, and then I guess that's where I had a decision to make in terms of it where I was with gonna, so many footballers yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a
0: huge problem actually
1: and you know I had had to kind of this thought as to okay, so where's my life now going to go. And then, as I said, I met um, Jas and then, you know, just started kind of opening myself up to new things, you know, started around about that sort of six months later after we met, that was when I went plant-based and that was, you know, a real turning point for me in many ways, because that was when I then started to obviously learn about things. And, you know, I then started writing for a health and wellness magazine for Mm -hmm. free, just to, you know, just to get some experience with it. And I think that was when I really started to find the love for conveying health and wellness information and it was not just you know specific to being plant based, but it was specifically it was around women's health actually. So I was writing about a lot of things, you know, like lack of women in clinical trials and different things like that. So really interesting stuff. And I just really started to just develop like a real love for a real passion for obviously plant based nutrition, but also just really making health information accessible for mm. people and breaking it down and just explaining things. Um, and I really, I really know that this is my purpose now because. When, you know, I've got quite a big community on social media and I speak to a lot of people, I try and speak to as many people and respond to as many people as I can. And, you know, some of the messages that I get from people saying that, you know, I've greatly helped them or, you know, I I post a recipe and I'll get a message saying, oh, you know, I've been really off track with my diet in the last few months, but I've seen this recipe and it's really got me back on track. Like, thank you so much. And the feeling that that gives me, Mm. I just get such a sense of pride from that. And that's how I know that this is something that I'm meant to do. So, I think where where having that purpose was so important, particularly in this last year, was that it it, it stopped me from just kind of retreating into a corner or into a hole, which I think in many ways, I I would have been probably validated to do so, going through something as terrible as that. But I wanted to continue with it. Obviously, I wanted to take a bit of time away from social media, be with friends and family and things like that. But I wanted to continue. I felt like I'm always going to have unfinished business in terms of trying to reach as many people as possible with this message of, you know, plant-based nutrition how it can be beneficial for your health how it can you know optimize your health in so many ways and i just wanted to continue with that so that's i think purpose is really important and i'm unfortunate because not everyone has a purpose in their mm. life you know if you go out and speak to the majority of people in society ask them what their purpose is they <laughs> might not know so i feel lucky in that I, I came across and stumbled across it essentially um and i've just kind of really wanted to just develop that Understanding of it to be able to help other people and be Mm. of service to other people, so I'm I'm just really passionate about that in some Mm.
0: ways.
1: I know you can tell, and I I echo what you're saying
0: there. And I've I've got several thoughts Mm. I want to sort of build on that. That I'm actually starting a project at the moment Mm. that is going to be aimed at young people at mm. schools and through the research that we've done there's been three key areas mm. that we found and one of them was mind, so mental health yeah. one of them's body which is I've spoken to you about about yeah. sort of nutrition mm. and then the other one was purpose mm. and i just think it would be wonderful if we had something at school or some sort of tool that mm. we're actually building at the moment that can help people with those three areas. And the purpose one is something I've never seen before Mm. and it's not something that I ever had at Mm. school Mm. um, and I think could be really beneficial because I actually think purpose and mind, mental health, are intrinsically linked so closely. If you don't feel like you have direction, you don't feel like you're what you do on a day-to-day mm. basis has meaning, mm. it's very easy to fall off the path. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. you have to have so many other things going on in your life mm. going great. Right. And as soon as you build in, you know, the global situation, you, know, yeah. you think about the Ukraine yeah. war, you think about the government, mm. you know. The pound. the <laughs> yeah, pounds, pounds, you know, <laughs> yeah. sinking by the day. So as soon as those sort of things happen, if you don't have that thing to go back to that mm. gives you the buzz, yeah. gives you that feeling, you know, it hits different, it hits different yeah. than anything else, mm. You know, doing something that is your purpose, yeah, and then getting the sort of the feedback from that mm. from others. Yeah. Um, particularly if my second point is that there's two other themes that always come up when it's purpose. Mm. And every time you speak to someone, it's quite often that these themes are what their purpose is about. Mm. And and the first one is connection yeah. and feeling like you're helping others. Mm. Mm. So I know for me my purpose isn't one necessary one thing but mm. it revolves around like, mm. helping others and connecting mm. with others yeah and the same goes for most people i've ever met mm. and then the second part was it is that creativity and, and being able to sort of express yourself and yeah. so you said there you started writing mm. and, you know, you're just doing it for free and for mm. the sake of it and mm. that that using your brain in that sense i think is another really sort of um intrinsically linked part to yeah. purpose yeah you mentioned um Something there before when you were talking, you said psychedelics, and mm-hmm. um, and I want to delve into this growth mm-hmm. mindset that you have. Mm-hmm. You know this sort of sort of really sort of strong set of you know attitudes and beliefs that you clearly have been able to show over the last year, despite dealing with all of the sort of you know potential trauma and, and difficulties that you have. And psychedelics is that something that you have done in the last year that have helped you achieve that? And on top of that, is there anything else that you can
1: build into that for us? Yeah. So, I mean, I even before everything had happened, I'd kind of started to become a bit more aware of, um, you know, psychedelics, and I'd watched a few documentaries, Fantastic Fungi, and obviously we have watched a recent one, How to Change Your Mind, and then there was another <laughs> another couple and some other videos that I'd watched, and I'd started microdosing actually. I think it was in early 2021.
0: What are you What
1: are you microdosing here with, or what's what's psychedelic? psilocybin Yeah. Um, and really just started noticing some creative benefits in terms of my creativity was, you know, kind of actually starting to increase. So, for example, I'd, you know, if I was to get up and go to the bathroom in the, in the middle of the night, I'd have all these ideas about like <laughs> emails that I could write or content that I could do. So I'd have to quickly write them down and then go back to sleep, um, in a bit of enhanced focus as well. So I definitely noticed some like interesting benefits, but at that time I wasn't ready to do like a, you know, a, a dose, which was really going to kind of open everything up for me um because obviously as we know with, with regards to psychedelics at a uh, micro level it's very subperceptual. you're not like you're not going to have any kind of like visuals or anything like that um and then obviously everything happened and i think uh, before that again it's not not too long before it i'd started just becoming more and more aware of it and more and more cool to it i just had to watch fantastic fungi and that kind of blew my mind is probably one of the best documentaries that i'd ever watched um, but again, I just, I just knew that this is not something to rush into. Like there's, if, if it's meant to happen at some point, there'll be a reason for it. Mm. And of course, obviously everything happened. And, and again, I just kept on feeling just a bit more, more and more cool to it. And, and I wasn't really, as I said, I wasn't ready to just dive into it. I wanted everything to be right. Um, and then I got the opportunity, I believe it was in February to, to do it. Um, and again, I've done, I've been, as I said, it was about like a year, year and a half, we're just you know, researching everything and trying to get as much of an understanding as possible about it, because you don't want to just go into something without any kind of knowledge or, you know, of course, you don't necessarily know what to expect, but you still want to be prepared to some degree and you want to get the best possible experience out of it. So, I went in with like a number of intentions in terms of you know, wanting to get an understanding of why things had happened, the way that it happened, you know how was my life going to be going forward, what was my life going to be without her um, and it was a very, very, very powerful experience and people ask me to describe it, but i, I can 't and I almost don 't want to because mm. that 's just my experience you know everyone 's experience is going to be very, very different. And I and also don't ever tell people, oh, you should do this or you should do that when it comes to these things, because that's a choice that people are going to have to come to make themselves. But I got a lot of answers. I got a lot of answers. And it was definitely, as I said, with a number of the different tools that I used, you know, make sure that my nutrition was dialed in, make sure I was, you know, got back to my training, reading the books. I read, as I said, Man Such Meaning. And then there was another book called Option B. Um, this was by Sheryl Sandberg. She's the COO of Meta, I believe. And mm. her husband passed suddenly while they were on holiday. So she just wrote a book all about that. And again, that hugely validated my position and where I was standing because when you're going through that kind of grief, you just think that you were the only person in the world going through it. And yeah. you read something like that and you're like, wow, okay, this happened to someone else on a crazy level. You know, she had kids and all these kinds of things mm. and I, I didn't have kids. So this was just another tool with in terms of the... To, life and to really kind of get an understanding of what happened to really come to a place of acceptance, to really come to a place of, you know, understanding that, you know, terrible things happen in this life, but there's almost sometimes maybe not reasons behind it, but there's reasons to still look forward and try and you know continue to live your life because there is still a lot of life left to live. You know, I'm only 34. So yeah, it was a really, really powerful tool. And I think one that definitely gave me a lot of value and just, yeah just an understanding of of so many different things that had happened and so an understanding of a lot of my emotions during that period as well
0: so this series i've been lucky enough to partner with one of my favorite brands heights in an ideal world we would all eat a diverse nutritionally complete diet that ensures we meet all of our nutritional requirements However, if you're anything like me, you'll know that life likes to get in the way and that's not always possible. That's where Heights and their Smart Supplement comes in as the best insurance policy for looking after me and my brain. The Smart Supplement consists of just two easy capsules taken every day and has been formulated by neuroscientist, Dr. Tara Swart and dietitian Sophie Medlin. The all vegan capsules are packed with 20 essential vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and healthy fats, which are designed to support your brain, nervous system, immune system, and even your sleep. I personally noticed an improvement in my focus, boosting my energy levels, I'm more motivated than ever on my goals, and I even make it to the gym more often when I take heights. So if you want to get started with brain care, heights are giving all of my listeners a 15% off your first quarterly subscription with the code Straight Talking. Head to yourheights.com and use the code Talking and start taking care of your brain and body today. So you say you sort of got answers mm. from this experience plus the other things that you did. From my, my reading and, and understanding and speaking to other people who have done therapy, particularly mm. the guys at Nisharma that I visited recently yeah. in America, they talk about this concept of integration. Mm. So integration is sort of where you work with the therapist. Mm. If you go and do uh, you know one of the ketamine retreats mm. or the ketamine clinic infusions, mm. Mm. Um, or if it's another psychedelic, as many of those will probably be becoming legal over yeah. the next few yeah. years. But integration is where you you discuss and you mm. work out how did you go about integrating for yourself? Is this, did you get the answers straight away? Was it like, oh, I understand now, like whilst you were tripping mm. or was it like over a period of time, as you read things, your brain worked in a different way. How did mm. that sort of work?
1: So I actually got quite a lot of the answers during that period, during that sort of four or five hour period. Wow. And I had notes, I had a notebook, so I was writing everything okay. down. So for me, a key part of the integration process was actually just referring a lot back to what I'd written down and just kind of, integrating it and wanting to adopt a lot of, sort of the things that were coming up into my life so and i think the integration piece is really important because it's not something that you should just do and then just be like okay yeah this is this is all good you should just do it and really take some time to, to almost meditate on it and, and you know discuss things and i mean therapy was also one of the one of the other things that i did um i mean to be fair i started therapy before she passed just to try and become a better human being I yeah think no yeah. matter how well we should all different. do it yeah, no matter how well adjusted to society you are, I think everyone can benefit from that. Yeah, therapy. just getting your thoughts out there with exactly. someone else helping you. Exactly. That's, so that's that was brilliant. something that I did. We didn't actually discuss this or, you know, what I'd done. Um, I kind of almost wanted to navigate that journey by myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, so many notes that I took and so many different kind of viewpoints and, and just different, like things to almost like beacons of light to just kind of mm. focus on so many different areas that I could kind of dip my feet, you know, dip my toes into. Um and I still try and adopt them as, as often as possible today, yeah. you know. Do you course. look back at the notebook at all? Yeah, like, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. And it's that's really interesting. interesting. It's really, really It's a
0: really cool little like takeaway to have. Yeah. I mean, as a caveat, I mean, psilocybin is still illegal in the mm. UK, right? And we're not here talking and telling, like you said before, we're not telling right. people to do this. Um it's against the law at the mm. moment. I mean, there is safety profiles done mm. in the clinical trials. It's a very safe drug overall, yeah. but it also is profoundly like, powerful, yeah. Yeah. done in the wrong way, can really mess with your mental health yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, It's not something to be messed around with lightly. But over the next few years, it's likely to be seen more and more, I think, mm. alongside a lot of the other yeah. psychedelics. I think so. The current mental health crisis is a sort of perfect wind, like it's perfect sort of hurricane it's, it's, storm for yeah, it, you exactly. know, and that uh, you've got a lot of pressure and a lot of sort of financial backing now as well. Mm. The current studies, to, to you know build on that, the current studies looking at psilocybin, are, they, they're looking at lots of different um causes of mental health Mm. so they're looking at you know some uh sort of ptsd they're Mm. looking at depression anxiety and Mm. and tons of other things you've used psilocybin in a way which is a little bit different i guess Mm. it's like it's a it's a fresh trauma but Mm. it's
1: sort of dealing with grief Mm. and i just wonder like what your thoughts are on that I mean, I think it's something that, as I said, for me, helped me hugely, you know, because I'm, I guess I'm someone who tries to intellectualize a lot of things. I always want to understand something, anything that's happened. I want to really get to the depths of why this has happened. Even something like this, which I guess you'll never really find all of the answers as to why it's happened, because, you know, there are certain things that are beyond, beyond our understanding and, you know, only God knows certain things, you know, but I think it's something that for me, I felt was really, really useful, um, and as I said, you know, it's typically not useful or people don't typically go and use it for things like grief. Um, and that's not to say it's gonna, you know, eliminate certain things because of course grief is like a lifelong process, but you can just get answered in that moment. Like there are certain times even now where I'm thinking you know, I'm in a great place, but I sometimes think, wow, that that actually happened mm. in my life. That is crazy. And then you might have a bit of despondency or, you know, whether there's certain milestones that you may have had or something that will remind me of her, like that's just grief. That's just a constant like undertone even though like I've built you know like, there, there was a uh, something that I saw in TikTok comment with this doctor who said like when you build your life when you come out of grief it's almost like the grief never goes away it's almost like that black hole and then you can just you know it's got this like a uh, illustration like loads of different colours around it and you can build a life around it and still live a beautiful life mm. so yeah, I just felt that like it was just really useful to look at it from mm. that perspective. And I think, because grief is something that is quite difficult to navigate. People maybe can't understand it. I think, um, I don't know if you saw, there was a, a Huberman Lab podcast on grief, which was really interesting, actually. Mm. Very, very interesting and looked at, you know, why certain people struggle to deal with it um, in comparison to others. So there are so many tools out there. And of course, they're never going to be able to just make the thing go away, which is not the point of what, you know, what you're trying to do. You're just trying to manage it because you're never going to be able to erase that experience as it happened. Mm. Um but I think I got to a point where I was like, you know, okay, this experience I've accepted it. How can I now use this in the best possible way mm. to try and, you know, live the best possible life, you know, lean further into my purpose, and maybe, you know, even with things like this and th- in this discussion that we're having, maybe inspire someone else who's going through something similar mm. along the way. So, mm, I'm
0: sure it will. It's really interesting what you say there about sort of like you don't want to erase it and I mm. think it's a really interesting concept and it was actually on a podcast the diary of ceo maisie mm. williams is on it mm. today and she had a very traumatic yeah. child and he asks her would you want to erase it and she yeah. said absolutely not yeah. and she struggled to articulate a little bit mm. on why mm. not but i think what you've sort of alluded to there and your mindset if you're able to develop that growth mindset yeah. as much as these she sort of says there's horrible things happen to everyone Mm. at certain points and you might have it when you're early Mm. early in life no one deserves it you might have it later in life no one deserves it Mm. but if you're able to have that mindset those things that happened they they happened to you and they formed who you are now Mm. yeah and although it may be riddled and stuck with loads of Mm. negative emotion Mm. to it Mm. they still make you who you are yeah yeah if you have the mindset of growth and if you have the mindset of seeing these things as learning opportunities Mm. what are they teaching you then you know you're kind of bulletproof in a lot of ways you know you're
1: always sort of growing um and i think that's that's really that's really key exactly that i'm I'm reading a book at the moment from ryan holiday called the obstacle is the way and i think you know reading a lot of what what he talks about and he's you know (laughs) so he's basically you know brought stoicism to the to the mainstream essentially yeah and almost adopting quite a stoic outlook on it in terms of Yes, we can't control what happens to us in life, and so there are certain things that are going to be horrendous that happen to us. But we can control how we come out of it on the other side. Mm. We do have that choice to make, where we can, as I said, it can either we can allow it to destroy us, or we can allow it to, you know, let you know further fuel that growth within us. And of course, I, if I if I was to say like if someone was to ask me, would you ever wanted that to happen? Of course, I would never have wanted that to happen. But by the same token, I don't want to erase that because that's a part of who I am now, Mm. you know. Um, And as I said, how can I use it for good? I can potentially inspire someone who's going through something similar. Like I I had a couple of messages on social, or more than a couple, I've had a few messages on social media some months back and people saying that, you know, you're really inspiring and thank you for being so vulnerable Mm. and it's helping me with stuff that I'm going through. So actually when you realize that maybe this isn't just about me and it's about (laughs) the wider society and the impact that you know my experiences maybe have on someone else, you then kind of get to a place where you're like, okay, this is really terrible. What's happened to me on a personal level, but can I use this for growth and can I use this for a purpose that can maybe help some more people, and then hope to, and then ultimately, you know, continue to fuel my own rebuild and recovery. Do you know what I mean, perhaps some people have to go through immense
0: pain mm. and suffering mm. so that other people don't. You yeah. know, and I'm not a big one to think that, you know, everything's already this fate and this mm. destiny and everything mm. set out. But, you know, it's a lovely way to think about mm. things. that mm. Perhaps there is a bigger picture, what you said yeah. there. It's not just about me. Mm. The world feels very much like just about mm. you because mm. we live in our own head. Everything exactly. that happens yeah. is your own perception, right? Yeah. You no know, other than the laws of gravity, mm. everything else you make up in yeah. your head. Mm. And so it's very easy to get stuck in that little me, me, me box. Mm. But actually to flip it on its head and think that, all right, I am now a much better person. I'm better at dealing with things because I've been through this trauma. I've took the blow so that I can help other people not. Yeah. Um. And I think that's probably so- sort of quite a nice attitude yeah. to take. Although yeah. it probably feels a bit more difficult when you've just
1: gone through something. Well, really yeah, difficult. I mean, it's, it's like, for me, I think, you know, certain people might, and I don't understand it's maybe somewhat easier said than done, because again, I, I want to caveat this and be clear, like, Is a very, very difficult thing to go through. I wouldn't want to wish that on anyone. You know, I think I often think about everyone who was involved who lost her, whether that's whether it's family or friends or whatever. And I even sometimes think, wow, like that must be really tough for them, even though it's also happened for me as well, which is (laughs) weird. So look, uh, I'm I'm not saying that people should, you know, you've got to do this and everything that I've done, you'll be fine. Absolutely not. Like Mm. I can completely understand. In a situation where someone loses someone really close to them, why they would turn to things like alcohol and mm. drugs and things like that to numb that pain, mm. because that pain is not something that like anyone should ever go through. But ultimately, I think one of the things that I realise is that actually everyone is going to go through that kind of pain to a or to a varying degree. Because you know no one makes it out of here alive, we're all going to pass away, mm. our parents' are going to pass away, our you know relatives, elderly relatives, everyone's going to pass away, and everyone has to deal with that at a certain, a certain moment. And to even touch on what you were saying at the start, like you know we don't actually speak about these things. We don't speak about death even though it is a reality, mm. and it's going to happen to every single person. So I think one of the things that we can potentially do is actually start having these conversations around death. That might actually be a way mm. to be able to deal with it better. Because if we don't have a conversation about it, if we don't bring it to the table, we almost believe that it's just not going to happen. And yeah. then when it happens, we just lose our minds. So mm-hmm. it's almost like we've got to rewire our brains into having these conversations about the reality of what's going to happen to our parents, to our friends, to us. And that would maybe give us a better chance mm-hmm. of being able to to deal with it in a better way. So many people
0: turn to alcohol, yeah. drugs, et cetera. And I think they tend to be people that have a couple of things. They, they have less um, clarity on their purpose or meaning, mm. and they perhaps, if they have had a big loss, they really identify as being so intertwined with that person, mm. so reliant mm. that mm. they, when that per- part of them goes, it's like goes, th- yeah. they go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think as much as we love the people in our lives, mm. it needs to be, you need to be really clear and important mm. on, on who you are as a yes. person, what defines you and i was actually listening to dr chatterjee he yes. one of my big yeah, yeah, yeah. inspirations and he was talking about how he's not he, he, he doesn't associate himself as purely a father mm. it's the biggest thing in his life mm. bigger than mm. being a doctor mm. but he isn't just mm. a father mm. so the way he describes it and i think it's a lovely way to describe it is describing yourself in values so so Mm. who you are as a person Mm. so my values i've said before are like um purpose connection consistency Mm. um and and growth those those four and Mm. so those values are a little bit more of a broader Mm. context rather than i am the boyfriend to bex or i am a doctor because if you lose your job Mm. as a doctor or bex walks out on me Mm. then you know i'm able to still say okay that hurts, but I am a person of growth. I'm yeah. a person of purpose or, yeah. or connection. And, you know, you're a little bit, a you're better positioned to then move and
1: adapt to, exactly. to these challenges that yeah. you've got in your life. Exactly, exactly that. And I think that's probably looking at from I mean, I haven't heard this podcast. I'm sure we'll talk about it when, when we're having dinner later. But I think that is a really, really good way to look at things. And maybe that's, you know, subconsciously how I actually looked at it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I had insurmountable amounts of love for Jas. We we had an incredible, incredible relationship. Also, by the same token, I think, yeah, I had these set, set of values that I wanted to live by, you know, honesty, integrity, growth is really the biggest one because yeah. I guess if you don't have a growth mindset, you go through something really tumultuous and you mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't be able to find that direction to be able to, to fuel that growth. So, for me, it was as I said, it was, you know, a huge, huge blow. I can't really explain it in, in words really, but after after I came to that place of acceptance, I was like, okay, I've I've got my purpose, mm. I've got my desire to grow, I've got my desire to continue to impact other people, I've got my desire to continue to want to be of service, to find new experiences in life, and I think those things help to shape my path going forward. And you can't see the path whilst you're kind of there; you're taking Not it all, one day no. at a time. But I think those elements of my character, it was always I felt it was always going to lead me to to finding a way out of it. And I even, I was journaling at the time when it happened and uh, a couple of months ago I actually came across my journals and was, I was reading them just to kind of see where, you know, things were at and kind of where I'm where I'm now. And of course, you know, <laughs> the words of a broken man, but one thing that I kept on saying was that I will rise above it. I will mm. rise, I will come through this. So I had that feeling that I would even as early on as, you know, in the, in the weeks after, because like, I knew I just would not want to stay in that place forever. Mm. I wouldn't, I would want to be in a place eventually where I could look back at it and be like, you know what, I use this for for growth and to continue to feel my purpose and mm. hopefully do it proud as well. Mm. Amazing. Before we move to further down
0: into sort of nutrition mm. again, what do you think the future holds then for psychedelics? You've seen how much they've helped mm. you. What are your thoughts?
1: I think that they... I mean, it's over, it's long overdue in terms of their incorporation into the mainstream. Of course, there's probably you know financial implications and pharmaceutical companies whether that has an impact on their bottom line from a perspective of the the medications that they produce. But I think if we're really trying to help society, we at least have to give these these to people as an option. They have to have these these things as an option. I posted something on my Instagram stories the other day about. Um, I think it was two doses of psilocybin and psychotherapy dramatically reduced alcohol dependence yeah i've in, seen this study. In yeah later. i was like this is huge you know so many people struggle with alcohol dependence alcohol is the most destructive drug in society i believe there was a study done in the lancet in 2010 which looked at alcohol it was higher than like heroin and you know all these other yeah, yeah, yeah. things and obviously mushrooms was right at the bottom in terms yeah. of you know it's danger to society because as i said it's in the studies that have been done it's largely very very safe so i would just like to see this you know in the mainstream and really helping people and and at least have people have the option to you know to to resort to these things and that's not to say that it's gonna just dramatically change things for everyone but i believe it has capacity to dramatically change things for a lot of people Mm. i completely
0: agree from what i've seen from the literature and the research Mm. that study like you you mentioned there alcohol is by far the widely used mm. most widely used drug in the world i think other than i think caffeine yeah um and it is glorified yeah and we also rely on it to socialize mm-hmm. which at its core if you really think about it is it's pretty sad we all grow up going to parties that's where we socialize you associate that with drink you get tipsy you get your confidence and th- but unfortunately over time that becomes a reliance Mm. on that so you might not be alcohol dependent but you might be dependent on alcohol to have a good time yeah yeah and dependent on alcohol to feel comfortable enough to chat to someone you don't really know that well Mm. or even someone for a lot of people someone you do know well Mm. and that's got to be a massive shift like i feel like that has to start to change in some way for us to really move on i think people do grow out of that but also a lot of people don't and and it's very sad. It comes with it comes with so many negative effects. You know, I've spent enough time on gastro and enterology wards in mm. hospital to, to see the damaging effects of yeah. alcohol,
1: yeah,
0: and plus what it does in terms of you know more from a social and mental to health families, perspective yeah. to families and, and everything. So so if we have options with psychedelics, if yeah. that's a more accepted um, route to um, improving our relationships mm. with substances, so if people could Use you know go and have a therapy on the NHS or not on the NHS yeah, that yeah. says you know that shows that they reduce their dependence on alcohol that's got to be a good thing right and yeah, um, and so the safety profiles as I mentioned before look very very good all the trials yeah. look good and, and the the evidence for them working yeah. is also is
1: also pretty good yeah so for me I just I I think I would like to think it's a matter of time but I guess we'll have to see but you know the the evidence is clear we're seeing so much you know so many mm. strides forward in the clinical research. Um obviously my own personal experience, I can definitely attest to that. And you know, I'd just like to see it continue to move forward in a progressive way to help people ultimately.
0: I've been doing a lot of talking to people within the space because mm. something I'm I'm interested in mm. and I'm pretty sure it will happen. Yeah. I think we're a little bit further behind in the UK. Um the US seems a little bit further mm. down the line and look like maybe over the next two years you'll have psilocybin therapy mm. in the US, yeah. maybe places yeah. like Amsterdam as well. Yeah. So plant based nutrition then. Yeah. Let's go back there. Um, your social media has blown up. Congrats! Um, when I think I followed you, ten to fifteen thousand mm. followers maybe, um, and then now over the last couple of months, you—I remember where, last time I met you—you've yeah, yeah. just gone through the roof yeah, and exactly. you got know, over a hundred thousand. Yeah. So, so really well done because I know you work really hard, and I actually think your content is one of the best out there because you make plant-based nutrition look very easy mm. but also very aesthetically mm. pleasing which I think is really important on yeah. this world of this instant gratification, dopamine, you yeah, need to get yeah. people to stop scrolling. Yeah. Um,
1: why are you so passionate about plant-based nutrition then? I think it's mainly because of how it benefited me and as I said when I shifted to a plant-based diet a lot of the, the, the changes that I noticed straight away just an enhanced level of like, mental clarity, more energy, I was sleeping so much better, I felt lighter, and as I said, I felt like I was really just eating in alignment with who I maybe truly am in mm. many ways. And I was like, I'm going to just keep keep doing this. And actually, it wasn't until, so I went plant-based in sort of around August 2017, as I mentioned. And then it wasn't until, I think, a year later. Because I, I was a very reluctant social media user. I wasn't really on <laughs> social media at all yeah um and yeah I initially started to as obviously when I moved away from football, I initially when you know started to do it for you know doing a couple of modeling shots, but that wasn't really me, so I kind of just scrapped that and sacked that off, and then I slowly started to share some recipes, slowly started to share some of the information that I was kind of garnering from a lot of the the research and the studies that I, that I was looking at, and it started to get a bit of you know decent traction and I'd never had any idea to kind of grow it into anything huge or make money from it or anything mm-hmm. like that. I was just like sharing stuff I was like I've learned new stuff I mm. want to share it with other people and see you know what they think you know aligning with your purpose right you exactly. Said. Yeah. exactly it was it was free from agenda completely it was just like I want mm. to just help people nothing in return um, and then as I said it just started to grow and then you know over the last couple of years it got to like yeah, 10, 15k 20k towards the start of the year And then, you know, recently I've done, I've done a couple of posts, one around sleep and one around, uh, like an ancient grain called teff, made a a teff porridge. And then there was another video that I did about my top five plant based protein and they seem to perform pretty well. And then they just kind of got a whole load of, of new people into the community Mm -hmm. and then it kind of just grew pretty dramatically. So it was quite, quite wild at the time. But I think it was nice to see because uh, I don't care about the numbers so much for me. It doesn't really bother me, but. One thing I do care about is actually there are people with interest in terms of bettering themselves, bettering their health, bettering their lifestyle, being more aware of things that they can take and adopt to to move forward in a better way. So, again, that's something that I don't take lightly. You know, I want to keep putting out positive information. Making the food aesthetically pleasing helps, of course, because people then stop. But if I put some really good information in the caption that they can maybe learn from or share with a friend or share with a family member, then, you know, I'm really pleased. That's something that really does please me. So, So yeah, long may that continue. And as I said, for me, it's always just going to be an extension of my passion for it. It's never, oh, I need to make this post because I want to get X money. Like the amount of, you know, opportunities and stuff that I turn down financially because they just don't really align with what I'm wanting to do. You know, I'm not just going to take on some some paid partnership just because it's paying, you know, three, four figures, whatever. I just don't need to do that. Um, What I want to do is continue to impact people for the long term. You know, there's, there's no real point in starting to go on this, you know, journey of doing all these ads and getting all this money, and then that dilutes my message and doesn't really, you know, it doesn't give any people any value. And people will cotton onto that and be like, oh, you know, he's seeing mm. us just customers. Like they kind of switch off. But I want to have longevity with what I'm doing. So if that means turning down some money in the short term for that long term, you know, being able to build what I'm trying to build um we'll continue building what i'm trying to build and i'll, I'll take that every day of the week mm. yeah we'll keep it up yeah absolutely loving it at the moment will. there are arguments
0: that are very well known for going plant-based uh particularly from an ethical standpoint mm-hmm. environmental standpoint mm-hmm. um amongst many others i want to talk as this podcast is based about mental health mm-hmm. usually is there a reason from
1: a mental health perspective that we should be in plant-based food I definitely think from a mental health standpoint, we should be eating more plant foods, for sure. I think there's definitely a lot of information out there. There was a study, I think it was in 2020, uh, I believe it's called Evidence of the Importance of Dietary Habits Regarding Depressive Symptoms and Depression. Meta-analysis looked at 20 studies across the board and showed that high adherence to an anti-inflammatory diet, so plenty of dark leafy greens, uh, omega-3s. Uh, other micronutrients such as magnesium folic acid fatty acids either from fish or from um, algae oil or associated with a reduced risk of depression so those micronutrients and they're abundantly found in plant foods magnesium folic acid folate you know lutein and dark leafy greens as well um, you know anthocyanins and berries linked to cognitive performance walnuts avocado the monounsaturated fats in those so i think it's really important to get more plants into the diet you know Funny, there have been certain studies that have said that you know, vegans are at increased risk of depression, but of course, you have to look at the dietary pattern. You can do a vegan diet, but really badly, one that focuses mm. on processed foods. And we know that processed foods, in terms of how they modulate your gut bacteria, that's going to have a huge impact yeah. on your mental health. So diet quality is what matters. And that anti-inflammatory diet, whether that's a Mediterranean-style diet, a plant-focused diet, a well-planned plant-based diet, these are all going to give you really, really good benefits from a mental health standpoint. Mm. That's fascinating that you mentioned the microbiome, something mm-hmm. I've not spoken about for a long time, actually,
0: but Tim Spector is someone to follow, if yes, you like yeah, that. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, his uh, organisation is called ZOE. Zoe yeah, I
1: know, yeah,
0: But, um, yeah, the microbiome is, is intrinsically linked mm. to our mental health as mm. well as our general yeah. health. Yeah. And my understanding, although not, a full expert in mm-hmm. this but my understanding is the more f- fiber mm-hmm. that we give yeah. you know um more uh, more insoluble fiber and mm-hmm. different types of fiber mm-hmm. variety yeah. the more we feed our gut bugs so if yeah. you think of it as like we're giving our food that we don't necessarily digest mm-hmm. with our cells mm-hmm. our bacteria start digesting mm-hmm. gives them more food it allows them to sort of replicate mm-hmm. more gives us a greater variety of gut bugs and yeah. the more variety of gut bugs it's such a complex little bit of science, yeah, the, the microbiome, but um, the more gut bugs we have, that's what we know is the beneficial yeah. part to our health. And diversity. I've definitely seen, yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. all about diversity, exactly. isn't yeah. it?
1: And what you get as well is that, as I said, we feed our gut bugs, they then almost dispense these uh, like pharmaceutical like short chain fatty acids, which have, a, you know, butyrate, butyrate, acetate, propionate. Huge, huge benefits for disease prevention, you know, reduced risk of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease. So that's really, really important to get that diversity into the gut bacteria for sure. Mm. Feed the bugs and they will score. That's it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so for someone who has maybe been won over, they've mm. listened to you and they thought, this guy sounds like he knows what he's on about. Maybe I should. Mm. Put down the burgers and start to introduce some more plant-based mm. foods. How do they go about starting?
1: You've got to start slow. I think particularly if you're coming from a place where you are eating maybe a processed food diet, you've been doing this for however many years, you've got to start really, really slow. You you may end up feeling some initial benefits, but I think that's mainly because you've gone from a processed food diet to an unprocessed food diet. So you've then got to really think about certain nutrients that you want to get and focus on the key ones, B12, vitamin D, omega-3, DHA, EPA. But try not to overwhelm yourself too early on you want to just get a handful of recipes under your belt and whether that's just an early breakfast one like an oatmeal with no. nuts seeds plant protein and some fruit um or like a tofu scramble or something like that easy dinners like lentil bolognese things like that just get those under your belt start to experiment with those get those in. And even if it's like a meatless Monday or maybe two days a week, you go plant-based. That will really give you a foundation because one of the things that I see a lot of is people diving right into it. Yeah. And then they just drown and then they have to kind of go back to what they know best. So mm. you have to start really, really slow. And I think, you know, of course there are the ethical and environmental considerations for it. But I think it's always it's also really important to look at for yourself as well. fuel your body in the best possible way. So making sure that you're, as I said, Eating as unprocessed a plant-based diet as possible, because as I said, you can go with the Beyond Burgers and all that kind of stuff. And while there are, they are somewhat of a decent like segue and almost a ladder for for certain people to enter the plant-based lifestyle. I don't think these are foods that people should be having as a staple of their diet. You know, day in, day out. Yeah. Once in a while, cool. But you want to be getting diversity of plants into your diet and focusing on that diversity. Once you start to get comfortable with it, start to look to see if you can get like 30 to 35 different plants into your diet per week, mm. herbs and spices included, and that will help to modulate your gut bacteria. Mm. So I think, yeah, the, the key one is really starting slow and then kind of building from there. Mm. And starting slow, if we just suddenly start eating a ton of fibre, we're mm. eating like you know
0: 30 grams mm. plus or, or more mm. a day, suddenly out of nowhere and we were on sort of you know, very, very yeah. few grams of yeah. fibre, you're going to notice some gut symptoms. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah it's not fun for anyone no. and it's quite easy to put yourself and say well I'm not, I'm not cut out for this yeah, you know? exactly. and so I think those, those tips there of, of starting slow but also just focus on like what meal you're going to have at mm. breakfast what's your lunch and mm. what's your dinner maybe mm. have two of each of those yeah. and just rotate them for a few weeks and just mm. see how you're going then build them in and suddenly before you know it you're, you're adept to at exactly that. when you first started particularly mm. what
1: sort of things did you do to make sure that it was easy to stick to it I just, I don't know, for me, I felt really, really compelled. I was like, with the evidence that I'd seen and what I'd started to look into, I was like, this is for me. So I I didn't ever really stray away from the path or feel like I want to go back to eating meat, which for me, again, is another kind of reason as to why I felt like, you know, this is kind of linked to my purpose. I just felt this is it. I feel really compelled to it. Um, again, for me, I think it's important to really just get a little bit of research and a little bit of knowledge under your belt. And there are so many different resources online, you know, Google and even Instagram and even things like TikTok. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of TikTok, but you can find some decent information on there. So for me, it was just a case of like the education piece, you're just getting that little bit of nutritional information under my belt. Obviously, I went way in. I went really, really deep in, but not everyone has to do that to do a plant based diet pretty well. You just need to know the basics. So you know just learning and and, you know there were certain things that kind of were an issue for me so for example the calories i've I've spoken about this a lot on um social media where because plant-based foods are less calorie dense than meat if you don't eat a greater volume of food you might end up losing a little bit of weight and i lost like one or two kilos but ended up putting that back on really quickly Mm. um so yeah it was just that's just really it kind of just you know stuck to it and never really felt like i was going to stray away from the path and I was just so focused on making sure that right. I'm now going to be cooking a lot as well. I can't, before I forget that, I mean, making sure that you cook because it's not really a lifestyle that caters to convenience much. Yeah. Yes, there are plenty of good vegan restaurants out there, but you're not going to be eating out True. all the time. So making sure you cook—that's um, a really, really big
0: one. That's what I found difficult when I am being well behaved, mm. and I try and go plant based. Is mm. when you're out and about, it suddenly becomes incredibly mm. difficult. And mm. it, you know, I think it's naive to think everyone's going to have not necessarily always the time I think we have more time than we think but it's mm. if you're not in the mode if you're not mm. used to mm. prepping your meals, mm. etc or prepping snacks mm. that are vegan mm. then it's difficult mm. and you're in a shop and you're like you're looking at things and it's like okay I've got you know, some really poor mm. vegan options mm. or really processed vegan options or you know my healthy option is actually something mm. that isn't yeah. time based and yeah. I think that's where it becomes difficult so that that is the last bit yeah. I think is getting used to just cooking that mm. food in I would guess more bulk mm. as well mm. You mentioned you lost a little bit of weight and Mm. I think it's probably important just to touch on one of the big worries with lots of people, particularly people that are Mm. active and go to the gym, is that
1: they don't get enough protein in a plant based diet. How do people get around that? I mean, it's very straightforward. I think... There is this myth that, oh, if you eat enough calories, you're going to get enough protein. And I think that's something that people should ignore completely, particularly if you're trying to put lean muscle on, because you want to be intentional with your protein sources. You want to make sure that you're getting... I mean, everyone uses plant protein powder, particularly if you train or any protein powder. Make sure you get a good quality one, preferably a one that's like a blend of pea and hemp or pea and brown rice, which are... pea and brown rice specifically, which mm-hmm. is really, really comparable to whey. And then, of course, also lifting to make sure that you're getting that stimulus. But other things like tofu, tempeh, make sure that they're organic and non-GMO, lentils and seitan. Those are really going to give you like the That's biggest cool. bang for your buck yep. when it comes to really good quality protein sources. Um, tempeh and seitan probably the top two for me. Um, and then you've got like supplementary proteins, as I call them. So things like hemp seeds, beans, quinoa, oats... Um, edamame things like the things that you can also sneak into your meals just to increase that protein content yeah. actually spirulina is quite a decent one as well i believe like two tablespoons of spirulina has got like 10 or 11 grams of protein which That's is good, yeah. if you put that in a smoothie with like plant protein hemp seeds other things you can easily get up to 40 to 50 grams per mm. serving so yeah just making sure that you just dial in on those four key uh those four key foods and i think you can't go too far wrong mm. good i think they're all good right really
0: good tips and mm. i think realistically if you're training mm. you're going to need a uh, particularly a protein powder yeah. a good yeah. quality yeah. one i think otherwise you're going to really struggle to get to those sort of figures yeah. that are yeah, yeah, yeah. that are suggested mm. so someone comes to you mm. and wants a bit of advice on on nutrition and mm. they say they're struggling with a bit of their mental health now mm. obviously the first thing is not going to be necessarily change mm. their diet but mm. perhaps we've done a bit of digging in this little scenario and mm. we've found that you know their diet is poor and mm. perhaps they're Negating certain things, yeah. um, pot- potential nutrients mm. And, and, mm. and certain foods. What sort of foods, what sort of nutrients would
1: spring to mind, and what sort of foods would you be thinking maybe to add into that diet? I think B vitamins are key. Um, there's a lot of evidence in terms of folate, as, as I mentioned in the study before, folic acid or folate, whichever, whichever way you want to look at it, magnesium, omega 3s. These are really, really key for brain health. Uh, anthocyanins and berries are a good one to get in, omega 3s from walnuts as well. So, and I think it's it's very key to just get a lot of these quality, you know, unprocessed, you know, really nutritious foods in. You know, one of the things that I did with, when I was going through everything that I'd gone through, after about a week of obviously my head being all over the place, I was like, right, I need to get back into what I know is best, which is eating well, making sure I'm getting my nutrients in, hitting the gym. So I was going to the gym with my brother pretty much every day or every other day. And I was really fortunate. There was a meal prep company I was working with at the time. Unfortunately, I I told them what happened. And they were actually sending me meals to my house. I didn't actually have to cook or anything like that. Mm. Because I think, for me, eating well and training are two things that I know are going to make me feel good, Mm. right? Mentally, physically, spiritually. They're going to really dial me in. So in a moment like what I was going through, I knew that I needed to actually dial those in even more to continue feeling really, really good. So... As I said, for me, I think one of the things that from a mental health standpoint, I think diet is key. You know, diet is so, so key. And of course, you know, we've seen the, the you know, the, the studies around um, serotonin and the, you know, SSRIs and whether, whether or not there's a link there. I just think that for me, when someone presents mental health symptoms to a practitioner or whatever, if diet is not at least a part of the conversation, I think we're really going wrong there, to be perfectly honest. So yeah, I think getting those key nutrients in your B vitamins, magnesium, um, omega threes, folate from like the dark leafy greens, anthocyanins from the berries. These are really gonna, and just get as much diversity and as many different you know plant fibers into your diet as you can. These are really going to help to benefit you in the long term. Mm. I think
0: uh, it's interesting you mentioned the serotonin mm. study, mm. which is basically an umbrella study that mm. looked at. Lots of different studies that have yep. basically probably disproven that low serotonin equals depression, mm. and we need to look a little bit further mm. into mm. you know why do people get clinical depression? And mm. my view on it, I think, is that it's mental health in general, all mental health conditions, are very much a spectrum, mm. and, and we as humans like to put labels and diagnoses on things, and that it's really useful, and mm. we have to. Mm. But, at what point that becomes depression and yeah. not is is interesting, and that's that 's one sort of caveat mm. um, and then also humans are complex, yeah. and staying healthy can be complex, mm. but we 're also very simple in mm. the sense that if you get the foundations right, yeah. and you have multiple different foundations right you know these key pillars of diet, you know uh, stress, uh, relationships, um, exercise activity levels. Um, plus, I'm probably forgetting a few there, but if yeah. you get those right, then we tend to have fairly decent mental health. Mm. Um, obviously, it's a little bit more complex than that and yeah. multiple factors, but those things in order, usually most of the time over the period of your life, you'll probably have better mental health yeah. than not. Yeah. And so I think we need to, as clinicians, as practitioners, as society in general, kind of strip back and really keep focusing on those things, yeah. you know, perhaps maybe... Um, SSRIs and things—if those things aren't right—are really they're going to really struggle to improve things, yeah. right? You know, it's probably a bit of a drop in the ocean if yeah. your diet and your relationships are poor. Then exactly. just giving someone a drug that increases serotonin, especially now we know that perhaps that's not even the cause. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to exactly. do very yeah. much, yeah, exactly. is it? So we need to really go back to basics. Yeah. I think with that, yeah. it's been a wonderful conversation. I'm coming towards the last question that I ask everyone. I just mm-hmm. want to say thank you so much for opening up. I know it's yeah, the first time yeah, you've done you're. it. Um, like this on a podcast but it was yeah fairly emotional for me even listening at the start i think you're inspirational for the way you've dealt with things and the way you go about your life and i think i really really hope loads of people listen to this this episode because i think it will help a lot of people yeah um so yeah
1: thanks mate no it's been a pleasure and yeah thanks for having me on and yeah definitely um hopefully we can help some people going forward last question Mm. What's your one best bit of advice for anyone looking to improve their health and happiness? Uh, I would say, I've never actually mentioned this, but I think actually maybe consider your mortality. Consider at, at some point, you're going you're gonna to go, you're going to pass away. We all are. None of us make it out here alive. So how do you want to best shot every single day? How can you get better every single day? So, because we don't know when our time's going to go. I know if I was to go tomorrow, I can look back on my life and be like, you know what? I feel like I've done a pretty decent job and I've left a pretty decent legacy to a degree. Of course, I still have you know huge ways to go and I've got so much more that I want to accomplish and, and achieve, but you know, consider your mortality, consider that at some point you may not be here, but you want to try and leave something when you're gone. And for me, that starts with how you sh- how you kind of set yourself up and how you approach every single day. You know mm. what can you do to be a little bit better, and it doesn't have to be too much. It can just be, even if you just start taking the stairs over the es- over the escalator, that's a win. You know, mm. and this is the thing. I think we always get focused on the huge, huge things that we thought yeah. we have to do. Just do the really small thing: just yeah, stairs yeah. over the escalator, maybe some water over some some soda or whatever. You know, you unprocess a few of your meals every day. You go for a few more walks. You start to training a little bit more you speak to some friends on a more regular basis from a mental health standpoint and community. And I just think that that those slow incremental changes will just lead towards a much mm. better, a much happier and a much healthier life. And you'll tend to inspire people around you as well to then go and do the same. So mm. that's what I'd say. I love that. I say it all the time, like day to day,
0: but like I'm all about the small wins. Mm. I'm just like, yeah, small yeah, win. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I've said it on the podcast before, but it's so true. If mm. you can have that mentality, then even when, you know, shit's hitting the fan, like you mm. can just celebrate a little bit in yeah. your day. Yeah, you know, exactly. just those yeah. small little wins are are massive. Mm. Jeffrey, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure, mate. And that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you guys found some pearls of wisdom in there. Jeffrey is incredibly knowledgeable about all things, nutrition, particularly plant-based foods. And so there was loads of stuff in there. But even more impressive was I think the way he's responded to the challenges he's faced over the last year. And I know that I've found a lot of inspiration in that um, and I hope you guys have too.